0: Hello, hello, welcome back leading woman in tech. It's Tony here, your career bestie for leadership and everything of being a woman in tech. It is episode 105, let's go to the show. Today, I am joined by the Simply Fabulous Amy Dufresne. She is CEO of HRCI, the world's premier credentialing and learning organization for the human resources profession. Now you might be wondering, why have I got somebody from HR on the show? Here's the thing, and you're going to hear me dig into this a little bit with Amy in this discussion. So many of the women I work with, so many of the women out there, whether that's you or somebody maybe you know, tell me that HR is just a burden to them or they don't know what HR does. Here's the other thing I know. I've worked with enough women now who are absolutely positively leveraging HR to know that we could all be using it better. And one of the differences I've seen between the companies that have soared through COVID despite everything, and the ones that have either crumbled or just kind of dwindled, one of the key differences is how their leaders use HR. So I invited Amy onto the show to discuss how she believes we all as leaders need to be using HR for the better. This woman is extraordinary. As I said, she's a CEO, but she is also just a highly trained HR professional herself, even before she became CEO of this extraordinary company. Prior to joining HRCI in 2011, she spent two decades developing innovative human capital strategies in the private, public, and higher education sectors. Yes, this woman is like me. She's worked in all of the fields. <laughs> and she has some fascinating insights to share with you based on her entire career she's also a co-founder of the podcast inevitable the future of work creator of the alchemizing hr webinar and summit series and the facilitator author and motivator behind the Rays of hr the future of work with 73 hr thought leaders something i'm going to link to in the show notes for you this woman has it all i could talk about her all day but without further ado let's get her onto the show You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. Thank you, Tony. It's great to be here. Well, let's dive straight on in. Can you share with us your career journey, a few highlights, lowlights? I think those are always interesting. And why you are now passionate about people ops and HR as a source of progress in companies?
1: Yeah, that, that's a really kind of fun conversation to have is to think about sort of your your journey and, and how you ended up where you ended up, right? Um, I think all of us sort of weave through our journey and... Um, as we're, you know, on a ski slope coming down moguls and kind of going, bouncing around and in and out. And, um, you know, I didn't know that I wanted to go into HR when I sort of did a toe dip into HR. I worked uh, for a large organization doing an internship very early in my career, had an opportunity to work across the organization and did a stint in HR and loved it, loved it, had an opportunity while in HR to do all sorts of stuff. It was not sort of the traditional kind of um, HR. And I think HR is what you make it um, a bit. And I left um, that organization to go for, to another organization within a fully um, HR role, walked into being the first HR person that this organization hired um, and it had been a very transactional organization at that time. It was called Personnel, so I'm dating myself big time. Um, and the um, I think we, you know, made some amazing progress in my time um, being at. It was in a university environment, and the academic space is so um, such an interesting environment. A, a bit slow moving for my taste. Um, I like fast paced, agile environments where you've got a lot of balls in the air and lots going on and and that was just not the the academy was just not that way um and so i think realizing the environments that that you flourish in for me was something that was both a low light and a highlight right because you you go i'm i'm not really flourishing here and and it gives you the opportunity to kind of rethink what, where would I flourish? Where, what excites me about this job? And I think that's what really guided me towards uh, HRCI and being the CEO for HRCI is, you know, it really married my passion for HR, for people operations, for um, really elevating the profession, which is something that I've been... um you know, focused on and writing my dissertation and, and articles that I've published, I, you know, that those are things to me that are, you know, making people better. And I think that's really been the vision for me and for HRCI is that HRCI is about lifting people up and making them more efficient and effective in their jobs through um, investing in themselves and, doing certification and learning and education and making organizations better because that benefits all of us. That benefits the whole part of, uh, you know, where a person that that sort of makes up the what they're doing. I mean, we have our our private lives and our public lives and and I think that, um, you know, HRCI kind of is trying to lift that whole person up. And making them more efficient and effective um, at what they're what they're doing. So I, you know, I think that HRCI has has been along, you know, this forty five year journey and has gone through some really cool, interesting times. And I feel like I've been a part of those times. And um, and I just am so excited for all that HRCI is doing. But that HR is doing because over the past, this is, you know, kind of tangential from my journey, but over the past two years, we've seen HR really transform organizations. And what an exciting time to be a part of the profession and to be a part of really having the organization recognize that, hey, HR is a lot more than just pushing papers, HR is really transformative for organizations and can really help us to, to operate more efficiently and effectively. And I think that's what what is so exciting for me right now and is a true highlight is, you know I think um, HR has really made lemonade out of the out of uh, this global pandemic and has really, Utilize this as an opportunity to springboard into the next, and and I'm excited to help people to do that.
0: That's beautiful. I mean, I one of the reasons I wanted you on here is obviously to talk about HR and how uh, this audience, which you know a few are in HR, but the majority are not in HR, but they work with HR and how to leverage all that. But I love your journey because you're the CEO of an HR focused organization. So you are doing that people leadership, you're breathing, living, speaking that people leadership to create an amazing organization. And at the same time, you have that embedded, great HR knowledge that is enabling your team to do extraordinary things. Actually being the CEO of an HR focused organization is a very unique thing. I don't know many organizations doing what you do. There are a few, but not many. Um, do you believe it gives you a different perspective as a CEO, having the background that you do? A hundred percent.
1: You know, I think there are a few CEOs uh, who have um, HR in their background. Mary Barra, the CEO for General Motors, uh, um, was an HR person. Um, there are others who have. Um, have an HR background and who uh, move into the C-suite and run a company. You know, the most important asset of an organization is its people, period. It doesn't matter if you are making scissors or you're, you know, bottling water. There are lots of other people out there that do what you do, making scissors and bottling water. But your people really make that unique and different from the creativity that they present your product with, the connections that they have with their customers, um, the creativity that they're putting behind their, um, you know, any campaigns or, uh, you know, business development. So there's all, you know, and and developing those products. So there's all sorts of uniqueness that comes in an organization. And I think that CEOs that that have, that passionate understanding and have been enlightened, um, around what HR can do, I think are better CEOs. They are more authentic. They're more, um, empathetic and, you know, they, they are, they're more understanding when things don't go exactly perfectly because we're all people and nothing, nothing happens perfectly. And, um, you know, I think that, we've all had to reframe our, the humanity that we feel for our fellow, you know, colleagues. And um, I think that employees now are really looking for that and they're looking for an organization that is, can be true to itself. And I think that, you know, people want to work for leaders that they trust and, um, I think all of those things are things that I have learned. I've learned myself through both um, you know, positive experiences and not so positive experiences either that I have done or that I have watched others do and you learn from those and go, yeah, there was probably a different way to handle that that would have had a different outcome for what happened. and um, you know, I think that, are in HR, we deal with people all the time. And that is, and, and every person is different. And I'm, I'm thinking about the, uh, the article in the Harvard business review this month that Marcus Buckingham wrote and talking about how to design work that people love. And, one sentence that he said in there is really, um, really resonated with me and that it is organizations need to take the approach that one size fits one. And you think about that one size fits one. It's not one size fits Mm -hmm. all one size fits one. Everybody has a different situation. You've got, you know, a, a different familial situation that you, that you have than your colleagues and you may need you know, more flexibility around that. or um, you know, you've got people who um, are interested in finding uh, their zone of genius and what's important to them. and designing work that that really helps them to uplift and be better at what makes and what sparks them and what brings them passion and happiness and it's interesting he talks about that your whole job doesn't have to be what's in your zone of genius it can be a very small percentage of your job but it's something that you that you relish that you love to do and so it's for organizations and their leaders to find out what is that what is that 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 people relish in their job and then give them that some slice of their role that does that because people know they're some parts of our job we're not excited about, but we've got to do it. And so, you know, you've got to prioritize it and get it done, but savor those moments that you have that are the parts of the job that you really enjoy and really love. And, you know, you never know, maybe that opportunity will grow and become bigger because you make it more than what it is. So um, I think it's a really, really interesting article that I encourage people to read about because that's you know, we're all challenged by that as we're, as people are reassessing where they are personally and is this the right place for me? And, um, organizations need to think about that. Um, and really, really think about how they're going to be the one size fits one for people.
0: That is a beautiful phrase. I'm going to go and look at that article myself. Yeah. I want to dig in a little bit, though, to how the audience listening to this, who the majority of this audience are tech leaders, women tech leaders, across the whole gamut of technology. Um, every aspect of technology. I have people working in automotive industry listening to this, people in startups creating new apps and hardware or software all sorts of things, right? So it's big and broad, and also everything from leaders who are engineering leaders all the way through to marketing and the occasional HR leader. But other than the HR leaders, one thing I have seen consistently over the last 12 months, maybe all the way back to the beginning of the pandemic, is very few of them know how to use HR well. There is, sadly, in my mind, a perception that HR is there to protect the company legally and do nothing else for the people. And as you just said, our people are our biggest asset, right? And we, we all know that one of the reasons this podcast exists is because I think that leadership should be people first. It should be leveraging your biggest asset in your company which is your people. That's why leadership is so important. It's why I have this podcast. And part of that equation in my mind is leveraging your HR team effectively to support you as a leader. And yet so few of the women I talk to are doing that. Occasionally they are. But I would love to know from your side of the fence, what do you think that people leaders should be doing to better utilize HR to be an extraordinary people leader?
1: Right. I I think that's a fabulous question because I think that, um, you know, there's go back to the cartoon, the Dilbert cartoons, where it's making fun of HR all the time. And, you know, HR does get a black eye for some of the the things that happen, because there are some leaders in HR, that, you know, no one's perfect, right? There's, there's, um, there are opportunities to always make things better. But I think it's to have a, uh, build a relationship with HR. I look for leaders to do that. Build that relationship with with your HR talent. Um, understand what it is and how they can help you. Who do they have on their team on the HR team that can help you to grow and be better? Um, and I was just with a um, a group of CHROs uh, in the U.S. Uh, in a you know some some really amazing leaders, and they're from all over the world. It's about a hundred folks that were physically at this event. There were some that were hybrid, but um, there are, I I just, I love the story of of a pharmaceutical company that has done a fantastic job marketing itself internally. And they are, um, they are able to support the organization better than outside consultants can help. And outside consultants are great. I'm not, this is, you know, not bashing them, but HR understands the culture of your organization, or if they don't, they should, right? HR should really understand what it is and understand what what a practice or policy or something that you're doing resonate or not resonate within your organization. And so this external department outside of HR was looking to do some organizational design and organizational change. And so they went to, um, you know, some of the big, big consulting companies whose names you all know, and they went to their internal HR team. And the internal HR team bid on the project, just like these other external consultants did. And the HR team had to market itself and say, these are the things that we can do and help you to change. And they did. The, The organization within uh, within the company, picked HR to be the consultant to come in and do org design and org change because they know the company the best, they know the culture, and they had the talent. They know they're already ahead of the learning curve because they get what what the organization does. They get the customers. Um, you know, great HR leaders are going out there and talking to the customers of the business and understanding the the challenges that the customers have. They're talking to the teams that are all over the, you know, within their uh, company, whether it be all over the globe or or domestically, but they're understanding where those challenges are so that they can, HR leaders can help. So I think it's for leaders to leverage HR, understand the talent that they have there. What are the capabilities? In some cases, in organizations, there has not been investment in the HR fund. Mm-hmm. So their HR not, may not be as strong as the company that I was just referring to that that has built up an internal team that can do org design and org change. Not every company can do that because some have kept their HR teams very small and have pushed some of the um, responsibilities of HR onto managers. Um, But, you know, I'm not an advocate of that. I'm an advocate of having a really strong HR team that can help to leverage change within your organization. But HR can't be everywhere either, right? Um, And we need need managers to understand HR so that they're not, um, you know, they're handling, interviews appropriately, and they're handling performance evaluations um, in a manner that will protect the organization. Because in many cases, HR is brought in after the fact, and then they have to Mm. clean up some of the, the situations that have happened that managers have created because of lack of understanding. So I think it's, you know, for leaders to understand what are those practices that HR has internally so that they can make sure that they're kind of staying in the guardrails and understanding where it is that you can go off-road a little bit. Where can you, Mm. um, you know, take the team and do some different things? And, you know, I I would encourage leaders to tell HR, whenever you want to do a beta of something new within the organization, start with my team, start with my team. Mm. And I'd like to be a part of that beta and, and then the team can give feedback if there's some new performance management system or some new compensation initiative that is going on within the organization or some new change management initiative, some um, something that you're trying to change within the organization, uh, you know, be a part of the beta. Um, tech leaders know what that's like, right? They're really good at, at that. So um, anyway, so I those are... Some of the the things that I've seen and, and recommendations that I have um, about how to leverage HR.
0: I do think you hit the nail on the head there, which is organizations need to have a strong HR team. A lot of, I think, the frustration in the women I work with has come from an underinvested HR team that has been it's a necess- it's viewed as a necessary evil by again i'm referring to quite often smaller companies and i think this is such a huge mistake and i've seen startups invest in their hr from day one and they always flourish more yes but when hr is like a, a necessary thing to just to do payroll and talent acquisition and nothing else it just it you're right it's pushed on to the the people managers and you know what that's not their specialism. One of my clients actually, she she utilizes her HR team beautifully, partly because this company is massively invested in it. But you know, six months after she was brought in and she'd made a lot of change because that's why she was brought in. She brought HR in to help the team understand how to move through the storming, forming, norming, conforming and um, performing cycle, right? Just bringing HR in as a third party to do that. So it wasn't coming from her, the person who's just been doing all the change. And it was just such a beautiful use of using a really talented HR team to complement her skill set. Rather than replace her, it was complementing. And I don't think many people realize that's what should be going on.
1: That's right. And, you know, leaders can push for more investment in HR. Talk to your CFO, talk to your CEO and say, we've got to have more here. They need more help. We need HR to be more active in the day-to-day you know, sort of activities of our business, and if you're, you know, sort of if they're transactional, they don't have the technology that they need. They don't have the resources that they need in order to move the organization forward. We're going to be sitting idle. And you're exactly right, Tony, about um, yeah. investing um, organizations that invest in their in their HRC, real tangible results to the bottom line, to the bottom
0: line. Yeah, it's amazing. A great HR team, in my experience, improves team productivity across the board in the company, right? Rather than it being a burden, it becomes a way for difficult conversations to be had to identify bottlenecks in the organization. A good people ops leader, in my experience, can help you direct organizational growth and actually see things that Individual managers often don't see because a lot of us are so blinkered <laughs> in our little world I need all of this to achieve all my stuff. HR, their job is not to grow HR. HR's job is to grow the company. And quite often we'll see things that if they sit on the executive team, they'll see how, well, those two teams aren't functioning well together because there's a mismatch in their value to the organization in some way. Would you agree with that?
1: A hundred percent. I've... Been a part of many senior teams and organizations and the CEO is always you know before I joined HRC I always wanted me at the senior team because I could identify and see where the friction points were where the pain points were I could tell where when somebody was working on a different agenda than the the plan of the organization you you see that you identify it quicker than the CEO does and so you're sort of saying things are getting off course in this area and we've got to realign or, you know, the, the strategy that we have is we're not going to make it. And HR can see that very clearly. So it's, you know, looking at the numbers. um, So you, you know, you're, you're looking at um, sort of the bottom line of the numbers, but you're marrying that with the alignment with achieving the goals of the organization. And, um, if a team is under-resourced, HR sees that, HR hears it. You're seeing it because people you know, may say, I'm leaving because I'm doing four jobs and I'm not doing it anymore. HR is hearing this and can say, this team is understaffed. So let's dig in, let's look at the numbers. What has changed? Did something happen technologically? Did we add a new process in place? Did something happen? That created that friction and that collapsing of of jobs, mm. so that people are doing more. And I think that that's that's the message that we're hearing in um, and around this sort of great resignation, the great reshuffle that's happening right now. Is people are saying, "I need balance." You know, I want something more out of life, and I want to be able to have more control. Of what it is that I'm doing, um, and things that that make me happy. That's really where, you know, when you're reading the research and the data right now, that's what we're hearing from our team members who are saying this. We've got to be you know, anyway. So I think that HR can HR has the pulse. They they are, you know, they're watching this closely
0: that's beautiful i just listening to you like some of the frustration i've experienced as a coach coaching both hr leaders who aren't either in aren't being offered the opportunity to give that feedback or even worse when their concern their imposter syndrome creeps in i know some many of the listeners are ex- experiencing imposter syndrome but as an hr leader if you're one of those in a technology company you should still know that you should be speaking up when you see something but equally another frustration is when I see a people leader in another part of the organization not trusting to give that feedback to HR, not being able to have the conversation that is, I've got all this high attrition, can you help me? And instead, it's it's protectionism, it's holding back and it's saying, I've got this, when actually HR is there to help you with it rather than to say you're a terrible, a terrible leader because you've got five people resigning. And I think that really needs to be facilitated more, that more interaction that brings HR into these conversations.
1: That's right. And I think it's HR, great HR leaders are going to help you. If you come to HR and say, I've just I've lost five people out, you know, of my team and I don't know what's happening. I need your help. HR is going to drop everything and, tr- and figure it out. What, what can we do? How can we help you? You know, what what is it? Is the technology, you know, is it overabundant? Is the workload too much? Are, you know, have we asked too much of these people or you know of, of our teams? Have we I mean it's really digging in? Or, you know, saying to the leader, maybe you're you need to realign your expectations, right? And it's having that that conversation so that you can coach that leader along or find them a coach, right? Because Mm. you have to, you don't want to damage your long-term relationships. So, but if somebody does really need help, then finding somebody who can coach them through these challenging times, I think are really, that's important and key and HR can play a critical role there. And I think if there's, you know, HR can have those honest conversations. I've had to have several with, um, you know, with my, uh, former CEOs about things that were not going well, and you know it's you're you're having those honest and direct conversations with the CEO about what are some of the challenges here, and you know distilling it down so that it's not you know every the, the ship is sinking that's not it, but really being you know these are some areas that we need to focus on and you know and prioritize them and put together plans to um, overcome some of those challenges. So anyway, yes.
0: It's beautiful. Okay, well, we could talk about this all day, but I do wanna get to the quick fire round before we wrap up today. So quick fire round. So these are the questions that I think give some of the little hints and tips that we all need along the way in our careers. So first one, what is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given?
1: Well, uh, I think it's, you know, when I started in my career, things were super different. And I think that, you know, I, this, I mean, it's really, it's crazy to say this, but when I, um, had my first child, um, I had three kids. I had my first child. I had this perception of if I don't, if I take maternity leave, I'm going to, I'm going to be moving backwards in my career and I'm going to be penalized. And people were not talking about this, you know, uh, Twenty-five years ago, there was not this discussion. It was you got to push ahead, you got to push ahead, keep keep moving. And I think that was the worst piece of advice. And it was it wasn't from one person. It was this collective feeling that was out there for women leaders that if you if you take a break, you sideline yourself, and you're never going to get back on track. And that couldn't be further from the truth right now thankfully. Um, But I think that was a, that was a challenge, right? Um, Mm, And I wish it would have taken time, right?
0: Sometimes the worst piece of advice are the ones that pervasive across society. Like society just says that this is the way it is and they can be so damaging because there's no alternative as far as you can say, we got these blinkers on because everybody is saying it. Yeah. Okay. Next question. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Like 180 on this.
1: Oh, wow. So you know what, I think it is to enjoy, enjoy the things that you're doing. I mean, I think it's the Ferris Bueller advice, um, which is, you know, if you don't stop and take a look around every once in a while, you know, life moves fast, and you've got to really enjoy it. And I think that that is, that's the best piece of advice. And, and you hear that from people all over the place It's sort of slow down, look around and enjoy it. Cause it just, it, it, you know, it just moves so fast.
0: Beautiful. Okay. Favorite mindset tip. You
1: know, for me, I,
0: mind shift that I have
1: is all around, um, you know, being agile and nimble. And I, I, I don't, I don't know that that's really a mind shift, but I, for me, I have realized that, I like to work for organizations that are fast and nimble and that there's a lot going on. And, and so I have to surround people, um, myself with people who enjoy that too, because that's, you know, that's sort of how I work. And, um, I just, I think that's fun. Like I, I get joy out of learning and, um, trying new things and being a scientist and, creating a hypothesis and testing it out and going all right that was a disaster or hey that really worked um that's what i that's what really is exciting
0: i can tell just the the amount you're smiling as you talk about that as uh well. is beautiful okay <laughs> what what is your favorite book oh my gosh
1: my favorite book
0: okay it's toughy it, isn't it, <laughs>
1: it oh you know, it's it's so um I have books all over the place. I drive my family crazy. I have piles. <laughs> I piles of books. And um <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I know. And so it's hard to pick one. You know, I think that there are snippets. I I, you know, Brene Brown, um, I love her books because they're um they're deep and they're interesting. I think Atlas of the Heart is, uh, you know, an amazing new book that she has out that I, I don't know that it's my favorite, but it's sort of like whichever book that I'm reading right now is my favorite. Um, you know, I, of course, I love the book that HRCI published, which is The Rise of HR. We had 73 thought leaders come together and talk about what HR is, is going to be doing in the future. And um, we offered it um, for free to folks around the globe. We distributed over a million copies. So, of course, that's my favorite book because, you know, I I spearheaded it along with Dave Ulrich, who is, you know, one of my favorite authors as well. And um, he joined uh, us along the journey of of really trying to um, elevate uh, the, the profession of HR, which is why we called it the Rise of HR, right? So... Um, I, I just, I think that it, this is such a critical time for, for HR leaders and, and they need all the support that we uh, that they, they can get and that we can give them. Um, so those are a few of my favorite. I don't know. You know, there's so many, so many, <laughs>
0: that's a good i'm going to have to go and check some of those out all right we are wrapping up now so how, how can people find out more about you what you do connect with you maybe on linkedin where can we where can we find out more about you
1: oh super so um you can visit us at hrci.org learn more about um the organization that i'm the ceo of and i'm so very passionate about um i also have a website anydufrein.com and that you know if you want to uh, connect with me there. Um, my LinkedIn is Amy Dufresne. It's not very hard. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. We're doing some great work at HRCI around diversity and inclusion. We are the secretariat for the ISO TC260 group, which is Human Resource Management Standards. And we've just launched an organizational certification for diversity and inclusion, which I believe is going to be uh, just organization changing, not not for us, but for around the globe, for organizations to demonstrate their commitment to diversity and inclusion through standards. So um, that's a little diversion. But um, anyway, I think that's for people to know all the great, the great things that HRCI is doing, because, you know, I have an awesome team who is really passionate about advancing HR.
0: Yeah, you're the the work that HRCI is doing is extraordinary. I've, been privileged enough to have a chat with you privately about your work around inclusion. It, and I cannot wait to see where that goes because it's about time, right? That the world really takes this. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today, your story with us. Um, I hope that we have inspired some of the listeners, at least, to go out and embrace their HR teams. I cannot wait to hear more about what HRCI does in the future. But thank you so much for being on the show today. Tony, thank you for having me. My pleasure. I hope that was inspiring for you listeners. But remember, as an individual, stay on your tech shit game, follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.